Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this Friday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, losing it three games to nothing. They are currently still fifth place in the American League East. The only team in the division with a losing record at 60 and 65, eight games back from the final wild card spot. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the Mile High City of Denver, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew? Hey, what's going on? Uh, nothing much, as it turns out. Right on. Shitty, uh, shitty week. So... Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. Job, those are those are nails in the coffin right there, gentlemen. That, <laughs> that's it for the season. Uh, it was fun in June, at least, but uh, I can't remember a team that I disliked as much as the 2022 iteration going back to 2012. It's, it's just brutal baseball. They're not entertaining. It's flat. I'm all done with it. Uh, I'm, I'm out. Bye. Audi 5,000. <laughs> I mean, no one's holding a gun to your head, man. Like this is all I see my, on Twitter right now. Then stop my, watching. My, my faith, Andrew is, is so shattered. And my my desire to stop watching has grown, but I can't stop watching because I'm addicted. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty brutal. You had tonight, uh, Reese McGuire hit a triple. Red Sox can't get him home. The lineup can't get him home. Next inning, you have an even better chance with the bases loaded three outs. Choke that one. I'm wondering if the Red Sox were allotted five outs per inning, could we still choke and and not get it done? I mean, that's a valid question on a on a Thursday night in August, apparently. Here's just some observations. We're gonna start on the dud side of it, but I mean, we're we've got some pieces back now. We we shouldn't be dropping series. We shouldn't be this flat. I mean instead of Jackie Bradley in the outfield, you got Tommy Pham now. You don't have Tanner Houck, which sucks, but, you know, you got Strom in there. You got Familia, who's getting away with murder out there, not pitching great, but getting away with it. Um, it We don't have an answer for not having a Valdi, so you got a loss there. You don't have Eric Hosmer, but did we ever have him, really, for other than a handful of games? I just, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Last night, Bobby Dahlbeck played shortstop. <laughs> I mean, who else did you expect to play shortstop? I would have preferred Xander to be in there, but... He was hurt. He had back spasms. That's Don't care. He's Everyone's injured. complaining about it. You can't send a Royal Xander and Tommy Pham to the one-day IL. I would, I would have played Xander, and I'll tell you what. He's a free agent at the end of the season. So play him every single game to the end of the season. Ride him like a rented mule. <laughs> that's okay. what I well, would do. Well, then, you know, if you think that's going to happen, I don't know what to tell you. Well, Andrew, I, I think the, the theme here is, you know, it, it's a team that, that doesn't have a lot of toughness. What? 
They're it's back spasms. What do you expect? They're not a resilient team by any means. What, did you ever get hurt playing sports in high school or college? I sprained my ankle a number of times. Okay, and did you play through it? Did your coach put you in? I basically played through it. And were you 100% or would you, did you hinder the team? No, I mean, I was probably at best 70%. Exactly. You know, within- and Dahlbeck was fine last night. I, like, I don't understand why people are like trying to burn down Fenway Park because – you know, a guy got thrust into a role in a shitty situation. Hey, I'd rather Dolbeck play short than play first at this point. Uh, yeah, any way to keep Dolbeck out of all first base? I mean, there, there's I reasons to be upset, but there's just not like everyone on Twitter is just being irrational at this point. Like, I understand being angry and you know not happy about how things have gone, but I mean, at some point, people got to look at it and just be like, "Yeah, I get it." I. I, I I think we're just the, the bloom era hasn't been fun, Andrew. And I, I know you're the outlier of the group and it, it's important to have someone like yourself on here because we need, you still represent a, a significant part of our demographic. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but for the rest of us, it hasn't been fun other than a week and a half last year. We haven't been relevant since 2018. A week and, and a half last year. They were, they won ninety something games and made it within two games of the World Series. Well, they won. They won most of them in the first half, and and then the week and a half I was talking about was was in October. But okay, so you're counting twenty twenty, which is I mean, I don't think anyone, no one even counts that as a Dodgers World Series. It was. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna put that on on Bloom, but it, it was still a year of misery. Like it was there, 60 there days. hasn't there hasn't been a ton of joy since since 2018, and what are we looking at this winter? We're looking at hopefully. I think they have to sign Devers. Really, I was going to get to that later, but that you can't you can't get slaughtered as far as PR for a full year and then not get that done. There's just I can't I can't well, they're imagine gonna sign they, they're gonna they have to they they got no choice. But I just these mid-level signings. So we'll get we'll get Devers. We might get one more nice signing, you know, maybe around Trevor Story money, certainly higher than Jackie Bradley money, which still to this day is the second highest financial commitment Heim Bloom has made in three years with the Red Sox. But you'll, you'll get a, a semi nice signing and then you're going to just get a lot of mid-level guys. And and it's gonna be it's gonna be hoping for the best for the fourth year in a row in the in the high bloom era. That that's what it is. And I'm just not impressed with this guy. He yeah he's he's added some pieces to the farm, but his his big league roster moves have been largely underwhelming. And for a guy who came from an organization that makes great trades, he's lost a ton of them. He's lost the Mookie trade. Find a ton. Well, he, I, I mean, I'm getting to the big ones right now. He knew he was going to lose the Mookie trade. <laughs> he lost the Mookie. You mean the David Price trade? He he lost the he, Mookie Betts is the most talented player, the the most talented five tool player in the history of this organization, and we got Alex Verdugo, who's probably seventy cents on the dollar. Not that not that that was ever going to be the big piece, but then. The rest of it, nobody wants. Nobody even wants to talk about the rest of it. And that, I, so okay. That, so, so if they didn't have to, you know, get it up. Perfect, perfect time to talk about this on the ten-year anniversary of the first time the Dodgers had to bail us out because of shit signings. So we send David Price and what sixty-four million dollars in there to the Dodgers, and we have to pay some of it. So that's instantly going to just destroy your return. Well, let's put it this way, though, Andrew. I, I thought he lost the deal when he made it. The reason being is, if you're going to pay half of David Price's salary at that point, you might as just might as well just kept him. I mean, it, it's just the the whole trade was bad. We knew it was going to be bad from the get go. That's not Heim Bloom's fault, but it's not been a fun three years. It really hasn't. And last year was a blast. I mean, I, I had a great time watching last year. I, I, well, I had a great time covering it with you guys from. 
June through October. But even then, I wasn't super hopeful that everything was going to go our way. Um, I'm just not hopeful about the future of this team. It's not that I'm not enjoying watching the guys play because there are a lot worse things you could be doing, especially on a Thursday night than watching baseball. But it's just not – the outlook is not bright. I I mean, this if there's ever a winter to really show what you can do, it's it's got to be this one. So, um, and, and just for the record, because I was going to get to it, I mean, the Andrew Benintendi trade that ends up being a big L, despite the fact I didn't hate it at the time. It's still a big L, you know, as it turns out. And I, I don't know of a, a trade that I, I really liked. I mean, the Schwarber trade at the time. Nick Pavetta. I, I, I like that. <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, I love the Ottavino trade. I thought that worked out pretty good. Okay. That's a that's a good one, I guess. Um, I, see, I, mean, I, I think, Terry. But, but that, that, that and Schwarber. And, and yeah. Um, see, I, I don't know. I, I look at it, and I think, Andrew, you probably agree with me on this. I think Hein Bloom's actually done a pretty good job at winning trades. My my issue with Hein Bloom has been that he doesn't do enough. You know, you can win trades and get marginal value back, um, get increased returns, but he, he's not going to get key pieces, and that's what you need in a, in a rebuilding team. Full disclosure: I don't care about the person Hein Bloom at all. Of it's course, the not. vision in the direction. I just like that's what I'm talking about. I. What trades they got max value out of Vasquez at the deadline? He's not even playing in Houston, and you know, they ended up getting a catcher that's hitting what 400, 500 as a member of the Red Sox. Yeah, he's up to 266 on the year, and we're not, we're still not winning, you know, either. But yeah, because look at your middle lineup, look at your two, three, four hitters. Well, I mean, you're you're only really missing Trevor Story at this point. You're missing JD and Xander. Well, I mean, they're underperforming. Yeah. Let's see. I I agree with Andrew on that, right? Your your three and four hitters, the guys that you expect to carry the freight, simply just didn't show up this year. Uh, one for age, and I I think one. I mean, who the hell knows what's wrong with Xander? I think he's been hurt all year. Um, but it's it's frankly frustrating to watch the lack of fight in this team as much as anything. And that that and that speaks to the lack of toughness I was talking about. There's no urgency here. The, this isn't a team that's you know going all in. You know, it's just it's. They checked out at the nope. deadline when Heimblum didn't add talent. No, we're used to And we're not going to be in the bottom seven by the looks of it. Last I checked, I got the standings right here. But so it's not like we're fight. We're playing for a lottery pick either. I'm just looking at them now. No way. Colorado, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Nationals, all way below us. White Sox below. You got those teams. They're just barely below, but Oakland. Yeah, where there's no way we're even going to be bottom seven. So it's I mean, like, that honestly doesn't really matter at that point. The lottery is what the lottery is. Doesn't matter. Draft picks don't matter in baseball the way they matter in basketball or football. If you value draft picks like that, you might as well go be the Rays. Players matter. Draft picks don't. I mean, and we certainly got enough you know, high-end pieces in the farm to... Well, not really. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm not talking about just in the higher levels right now, but, I mean, you've got a couple of stud middle infielders in there, and you've got, you know, one that could still emerge. I forget that kid in Double A's name. Uh, I think you showed a a highlight earlier. Rafaela, Uh, he's awesome. And he got hurt today, too. He might have broke his wrist. Well, I'm yeah, just saying there's there's enough pieces in the farm that you, you can as they're developing, you can go find those short term guys to that's and, and you mentioned the tenth anniversary of the Dodgers uh deal. What happened immediately after that? 
Ben Sherrington went out and got some stopgap guys until we could get Bogarts, Mookie, JBJ, and whoever else up here and and converted that into a championship. Get, put us in a, a great position to compete with some proven guys that that had either won championships or been in the World Series like uh, Mike Napoli. And, and, and that, that was number four. You know, that well, in the three out of four in our lifetime. But let's just get into it. Let's just get into studs and duds. We will start on the dud side of it. Job, you are in the leadoff spot. Who's your dud for the series? Alex Verdugo, two for 14 on the series. That's not good enough. Strikeouts in some key spots, which he usually doesn't do. It, it was frustrating to watch. I understand he he was due for some regression. He, he'd been playing a little bit above his water for the last couple of days, uh, last couple of weeks, really. Since the break, seemed to be one of the only guys that was really pushing and, and, and trying his hardest to, you know, carry the team. And uh, he's having a bad, a bad week. So that was tough to watch, but it really would have helped if he had a good week. You know, we needed at least three or four. Instead, we got swept. So season's over. Uh, hopefully we can, we can grow from this. And I think Verdugo is going to be a key piece moving forward for this team. Well, now I know you're just piling on. He was two for 10. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's been our best hitter this second half. I mean, it's, I would have, you know, liked to seen him do a little bit more. He drove a few balls. Ball wasn't carrying at all this whole series. Not too many home runs. It was kind of unfortunate to see. Yeah, I mean, when you're carrying an offense, you're going to get tired and nobody else really, you know, picked up the slack and and uh, got it done for the most part. So um, I, I like the uh, the last several months he's had and he's going to be the one staple in our outfield going forward that we can count on, but certainly wasn't a good series for Verdugo. Andrew Dud for the series. Mine was Enrique Hernandez. He honestly probably had his worst two game stretch as a member of the Red Sox. Yesterday was probably the worst game he's had. Um, you knew it was coming just because of you know how much they kept highlighting. He's great on his birthday. He's great on his birthday. And yeah, he laid an egg. He had a critical error at second where he bobbled the ball. Um, that kind of snowballed from there. Didn't do anything at the plate. And today he had a golden opportunity to break it open. Chapman made a nice play at third, but that was kind of, you know, the theme of the week where balls hit Chapman. Chapman makes an amazing play and just ends it with ridiculous double plays. And that was just, you know, Kike's luck tonight. Hit it right at him. Hit it just directly at him. Didn't lift the ball. That was the problem. He swung too hard. Could have taken half a swing and put it into right center. Didn't. And that, you know, we saw what happened after that. Joe. Uh, here I am talking on mute to myself. He's playing hurt. He's been hurt for a while. It, it's unfortunate that, you know, again, that it comes in one of the most crucial swing series of the year, but Andrew pretty much covered it. There's not too, too much that we can look forward to. I I think his market value will out will be higher than what the Red Sox are willing to pay. But I'd really like to see Kike back next year. I think he brings a competitive spirit that this team could benefit from. Well, I, I don't know how much of a liability he will be. I, I thought it was very possible in the first half uh, before we went down with the, the hip problem that he could potentially be back. And he's a Bloom guy, so perhaps there's a little bit more motivation to to bring him back versus someone who's already been here. But um, I, he might be a liability. I do give him a pass on the bad series, though, because, yeah, he's not healthy, but that dude has just been an electric factory up until this series. 
making stuff happen, showing the toughness that some other key guys on the team aren't showing. And um, I, I thought tonight when he hit into that double play, <laughs> it just felt like the most predictable double play ever based on the way the night was trending, um, especially the inning before having a guy on on third with no outs. And, and um, so was uh yeah not not a great series for Kike but but is what it is my dud for the series I'm going with Cutter Crawford it was either going to be him or Winkowski Winkowski has just been I hate to keep swearing this is the most I've sworn on one podcast but the absolute drizzling shits for a while now and uh Crawford has as well, but he's looked better at times and was a pleasant surprise for, you know, a run of, of several starts. And lately, I don't know if the league has just caught up to him, but he's getting slapped around for double-digit hits and giving up a lot of runs. And when he went into the dugout, he just kind of buried his face into his towel tonight, and you could tell he was frustrated and um, looking ahead to next year, you're going to need some back-end guys. Who knows if Waka's coming back? Who knows if Avaldi's coming back? And I just don't know how viable a, a guy like Crawford is. It, it was looking like he was going to be a great story. And, and perhaps he still might be eventually, but absolutely terrible uh, in the finale today. Uh, giving up 10 hits. Job, thoughts on mute. I seem to be consistently on mute tonight. Charlie would be proud. I think he's still your five moving forward. He's not the three that we thought he could be at his peak. And he's not the guy who got sent down after giving up nine runs in Detroit in a relief appearance. So somewhere in the middle. I think it's all a good experience for him. Um, He's getting a lot of action against the AL East. It seems like every start seems to be coming against the AL East. So yeah, the results definitely were not where you were hoping for, but he's also a rookie. And I think he, has a mentality to be able to build upon it. So if this was a seasoned vet, I'd be very discouraged and upset about that start. But at this point, every start for these young kids is a learning experience. That's the best we're going to get out of the season uh, where we are, you know, with our record. So if you can build on this, work on more of a repertoire, figure out what's working, what's not working take it into spring trading and I don't think he has a spot in the rotation, but can be one of your first guys up first guys down. Uh, I think that could be a solid role for him. As far as Winkowski is concerned, I've been kind of banging the table on this for a while. I, I think he's a two inning reliever and I think he'd actually be very good in it. His stuff you know, when he was a reliever in the Arizona Fall, Fall League was showing 99. And, you know, his secondary stuff will play up a lot better. His problem has been just not getting swings and misses. And just with an uptick, I, I think it might come. Yeah, and to, to Andrew's point, um, before I move on here, Terry, I think Cutter Crawford, yes, he's been facing a lot of the AL East. He also hasn't really had a chance to make adjustments, right? We're switching. We switched catchers. He hasn't had a consistent spot. I think it's it's tough to improve as a rookie when that's the case. So I'm I'm hopeful that he'll take this as a learning experience. He seems to me like a young Papelbon. He's got that that kind of competitive fire. So I expect more from him in future. I hope so. Um, some dishonorable mentions to get into here. 
Bobby Dahlbeck did drive in two runs today in the finale, but was still one for eight uh, overall. Uh, Franchi Cordero did have a, a high spot in uh, the second game with a basically drove in the only two runs, but still overall he was uh, doing the math on the fly here. Two for eight with five strikeouts. Uh, and uh, I think that's about it. Some of the usual suspects lately uh, did okay. Like I said earlier, JD had a hit in uh, every game. Uh, going down through the pitching here, uh, Austin Davis continues to not pitch very well. Got tagged for two runs in the first game. Uh, looking down through it, bullpen actually wasn't too bad. Uh, for most of the series, it was all the starting pitching. It was also offense. I mean, we had a chance to win a, a 3-2 ball game that we lost because we couldn't put a, bring in a run in the bottom of the 10th. I mean, Ryan Brazier did his job, gave up the, the only that he gave in was the inherited runner. There's nothing you can do about that from a pitching perspective. It's really just every aspect of this team hasn't been clicking on all cylinders at once since early May, and it's frustrating. I think you meant since June, but, um, but yeah, just it's one thing or another. And this bullpen typically doesn't pitch well against ALE's teams. Got away with it this time, but we're gonna we're gonna need a, an actual starting rotation next year. Hopefully, with proven durability, because a lot of the red flags on some of these guys have come back to bite us. Evaldi. Waka, you know, tends to miss several weeks per season. And, um, you know, and some of these, some of these younger guys just aren't, uh, getting it done. Let me ask you this question before we do move on to, uh, studs. Is Dave Bush getting fired at the end of the year? I don't think so based on injuries, but I wouldn't be upset if he did. No, I mean, I the only way I could see significant changes is if Cora moves on to a different role. If, you know, like he's stated in the past, you know, he's not doing this forever. He wants to go see his kids grow. So, you know, unless he gets moved up to a front office position, I I don't see Dave Bush leaving. I think he's done just as good a job as he can with all the moving parts that have kind of come in and out. I don't know. I just feel like all the kids who get called up struggle and there's not really a ton of solutions. The bullpen hasn't been great. I mean, we're the, we're ranked number 26 in MLB right now. That's where the Red Sox bullpen ranks. I just feel like if if a change has to be made in some area, I think it's going to be him. I, I think, I think more likely than not, he won't be back. I'd be okay with it. All right. Let's get into the studs side of it. Uh, Job, who do you have? Uh, We're going to go with the only actual stud from this series. The rest is kind of like I gave you guys no option but picking scraps. Uh, We're going to take Reese McGuire, who's been – I think, Andrew, you said he's a 400 hitter since joining the Red Sox. That sounds about right. Um, I'm pulling up his exact stats right now. For the series, uh, he was 3-for-4 in the third game, 2-for-4 in the second game. He had an 0-for-1 in game two, and I don't have the first game of this set. So if somebody has those numbers, that, you know, please shout them out to me. What I see here is the last seven games, he's 8-for-19, two RBIs, only four strikeouts. And yeah, he's he's hitting 421 so far with the Sox, slugging 526. That's awesome. I mean, that is far superior to what Christian Vasquez has done. We have him for three years. I like his bat. I actually don't dislike what he's done with the staff. I think he's done good work. Again, I said it at the time when when Heim made this trade. I thought this was a good move for the Sox, even though it was upsetting to watch Christian go. I'm also, though, 
I mean, he's the one bright spot in the lineup. And when that's the one bright spot and he's the, he's a stud in a four-game set in August against a division rival, I mean, you're really screwed. Yeah, there's an alternate universe where they score either in the ninth or the 10th. And actually when um, McGuire hit that triple, Diekman simultaneously gave up the game-winning hit in uh, against the Orioles. So it was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, Reese McGuire's looked really good. There was a play yesterday where it was a strike him out and would have been throw him out. Uh, but the base runner smartly decided to go back to, you know, first he just retreated quickly. Um, he's been great. Uh, and, you know, I don't know exactly what route they'll go. I think they'll explore some things in the off season. They made calls on Sean Murphy this year. So, you know, if they end up going through with that or even bring Vasquez back, who knows? Um, I love McGuire as your second catcher. Uh, I think he's, a great person to have. I don't really care if he hits 200, whatever. I think his defense and his presence in his arm, I think uh, well above average. He's been a spark plug, really, and picking up exactly where uh, Vasquez left off. Uh, and quite frankly, I mean, Vasquez wasn't on a scorching hitting streak or anything at, at the time of the trade either. So, um, doesn't hit a ton for power. Uh, I don't think McGuire's hit a home run. No, nope, not since he's been traded, but gets on base a lot. I don't think lot. he has one on the season. He does not, actually. Yeah, hasn't hit a home run since 2021. And he's only hit nine uh, lifetimes, so not a guy that's uh, going to crush them. But he's making contact and, and getting on base, uh, which is all you can ask for uh, from a catcher. He's a career 250 hitter as well. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think Vasquez is too much north of that either. We're not really losing a lot here other than maybe Vasquez for the first year of his career actually, um, you know, was, you know, game calling a little bit better uh, than he had. So, I don't know if we'll really get a chance to see that with uh, McGuire here uh, for the rest of the season, but this is the first series that McGuire has played the majority of the games. Kevin Pulecki was the catcher in game one, but McGuire caught games two and three. And if we're going to pretend to, to try to win games here, why is, why is Pulecki even in there? He's not going to hold base runners, except for the extremely slow ones that are just trying for fun uh, lately. <laughs> He's gunning those down, but you know your your better base stealers. Pulecki has no chance whatsoever of holding them on first if if they want to steal. And last I checked, Pulecki was hitting 160, 170. There's no reason whatsoever to have Kevin Pulecki catching the majority of the games, or half of the games. So I want to see Reese McGuire playing at least two out of every three from here out. I think he will. Um, I think it was more of a matter of him adjusting to the pitching staff and the pitching staff adjusting to him than it was anything else. I mean, in Houston, everybody loves pitching, apparently, to Martin Maldonado. So I get why he's probably going to get a lot more of the starts over Vasquez, even though Vasquez by far, you know, is the better offensive performer. But Pulecki, there's just no upside at all. There's just no upside. He doesn't do anything good. The the pitching staff, he doesn't even he doesn't even have one guy who pitches exceptionally well to him. He's not even good enough to be another guy's personal catcher. It's just so frustrating to to see him in the lineup so much. Any yeah, more? it seems kind of like a weird core trust thing. I'm not too sure why, you know, he's been doing it. I don't know if he's worried about benching a long-term veteran or what's, what's the case, but it seems to be more of a core thing than anything else. I would say. Another thing, since you mentioned him, he's growing the beard back, and it seems to coincide with Baltimore in this series. So, 
for the superstitious crowd out there. Just note that. Uh, all right. Andrew, go ahead. Stud for the series. So trying to brighten up the mood. <laughs> um, I'm going with the Bry guys. We had Brian, Brian Ma, uh, Bayo and Brian Mata going simultaneously for the Red Sox in, you know, the majors and double A respectively. And they both had amazing outings. Bayo's outing against Toronto. He had some of those guys fooled. He had everything working. He wasn't even throwing his change up till about the fourth inning and he was getting by and it looked filthy. Um, This was, you know, a start where you could see him just absolutely struggling, coming back off the IL after a string groin. Who knows if he's 100% or not? And he absolutely lit it up. Uh, I'm extremely encouraged by what I saw by him. I don't know how many more innings he has this year. I don't think they'll, you know, have him going every five days till October. I think they'll shut him down midway through September just because, you know, he's already pitched more than he ever has in his life. But uh, I think he's – essentially locked down a spot in the rotation for next year, or at least goes into spring training as a heavy favorite uh, for at least the five spot. A lot of moving pieces by then to come, you know, but then down the farm, you have Brian Mata, who is, you know, one of the highest prospects Sox had a lot of injuries, multiple arm injuries look like, you know, maybe it's over. He's come back with a vengeance struck out nine the other day. He, Struck out Zach Veen twice, who just today, Jim Bowden, uh, named his number two prospect in all of baseball. He's a, a Rockies prospect outfielder, really good. Um, yeah, his stuff has just been playing up. Will he be a starter? Who knows? Maybe if the secondary stuff really continues to build and he'll finally have a normal offseason. But you at least are looking at a bullpen weapon at worst. Joe, thoughts on admittedly, I, admittedly, I didn't see Mata's start, uh, so I'm going to comment mostly on Bayo here. Andrew, you brought up what I think is the key piece in the development of Brian Bayo: the ability to, or rather, the realization that he can get guys out without having to go to the changeup the first time through the order is huge for him. His changeup is nasty, no doubt about it. But when you go to the changeup the first time through the order, by the time the third time comes around, that's all they're sitting on. And that's where he's gotten into trouble in the past is he's only gone to the changeup because he's not getting, you know, strike calls that he wants. And he's getting frustrated by, frankly, the big league umpires and big league hitters knowing the strike zone. When he throws his other pitches for strikes and works towards the changeup as his out pitch and not works off the changeup because he needs strike one, he is so nasty. And his natural gifts are going to make him a starting pitcher in the big leagues. Hopefully, you know, a very effective one. It was nice to see him in control virtually the the whole start. Um, the strikeouts, which had been... You know, there was an abundance of strikeouts in his um, AAA starts, AA starts earlier in the year. It was nice to finally see that, uh, you know, at the big league level. And, I mean, I hope he's got a spot locked up next year. (laughs) Because if he doesn't, that's just... uh, That's just going to be another indictment on on our pitching development. So... Hopefully, uh, you know, I know we got some series against Tampa, so they're probably going to steer him clear of starting uh, against them uh, where they can put so many lefties in the lineup. But he's definitely the most intriguing guy. I I look just as forward to watching him pitch as anyone. And uh, this was a good team to, to kind of have that breakout performance against. I think he did have one other pitch against Toronto if I'm not mistaken he got knocked around early but then settled down and um you know and then in this start just kind of solid all the way through and I I just also wonder before he went on the uh, injured list if perhaps he just wasn't healthy up until that point and and now we're you know the product it's we're possible. seeing now. Yeah, it's possible. There's a probably also, like Andrew mentioned, that 
this is the most innings he's ever pitched. There was probably some fatigue setting in. First big league start, he has jitters. Then the second big league start, he's tired. And he, he missed a couple of weeks, was able to rest, refresh. And this is what he looks like, you know, on, on full rest when fully healthy. If that's the case, Andrew, I, I hope he's penciled in for probably the four spot, maybe even the three spot um, for the rest of his, his time. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends just on, you know, the, there's just so many dominoes to fall, you know, be it international, be it free agency, be it trade that, you know, I, I don't think they'll put the pressure on him to be anything above a four. At least I hope they won't. Um, yeah, because I, I still think you'd probably only have 160 innings in him next year. Well, that's about the average now anyway, it seems like. I mean, how many pitchers in the league are going to exceed 200 this year? Verlander, I think that's about it. Because he's a psycho. <laughs> going to win a Cy Young. I don't remember if I've just said this on social media or just, uh, or perhaps if I did on the podcast, but what would history be like had Dombrowski just traded for Verlander instead of Chris Sale? You're getting Tommy well, John the either Sox way. Have one more, the Sox have one more ring. Maybe. I mean. Well, I'd say they probably have the same amount. How's the future looking, though? The the short term, two to three years. See, I, I feel like if they had Verlander and not Sale, then you don't trade Mookie Betts. You, you go all in. I think the future is so different. Well, if you had Verlander, I don't I mean, think, think Mookie would would have stayed. Actually, I, that was on Mookie, not on Boston. But oh no, but that's the year I think you win. Well, uh, you could have, you would have had him in 2017, which is the year he went on to win with Houston. And then, do you go? Who knows what would have happened in 2017 if you got a Verlander guy in the playoffs? Because Sale just completely fell on his face. And uh, granted the Astros were cheating that year, but, um, but if you start Verlander game one against Houston, it's just a much different series. And then 2018, that's the year we ended up winning it anyway. So even without Chris sale for the most part. So I've I've put forward that I think Verlander is my favorite player to watch. That's never been on the Red Sox. I think ever. I'd love to um, have a Verlander Tigers jersey. That would be so cool. I just can't wear an Astros jersey, but but yeah. I don't know. It just it would have been interesting. But <laughs> we got sale for what two more years. Uh all right. Uh let's see. Uh any any more thoughts? Oh no, I got my stud. We won't spend much time on it. Uh Devers was doing math on the fly here. Six for thirteen on the series. It's his best series in probably well over a month. Um the plate discipline wasn't looking great. He was kinda just kinda swinging for the fences every time and uh, I think he was just kind of tuned out. I think that was kind of a, a product of how the team was trending and just didn't look good. And finally, uh, against the Blue Jays, he he put a good series together and looked pretty locked in. But, I think he's been hurt uh, since June, and he's been playing through it. And we saw tonight how locked in he can be when he's healthy and what a difference maker that is. I just wish it would rub off on the guys hitting behind him. Yeah, you know, he's, he didn't catch much heat on it, but he, he definitely didn't run um, on that one that went through Vlad at first today. So he uh, he dodged both there, and I think it's probably because he's about 75%. But he, he definitely didn't run out of the box once he saw it, you know, went to the right side. I mean, his hamstring's definitely been – been you know nagging and he's probably not going to be healthy until um you know he can rest a little more over the winter but one thing i think we should mention is that we probably just saw his best defensive series as a major leaguer uh agreed games yeah he was definitely making some plays over there and 
as well. I mean, at the plate though, I don't know that his hamstring was was really, you know, bothering him because his key hits coming into the series were he he had hit some home runs and those were his only hits for the series. A I, I times. think I think Terry, a lot of what's happening to him, or at least has been happening the last couple of weeks, he's been trying to with one swing put the Sox back into contention. And I think this week he just he knows it's over, and now he's just playing for, you know, for his numbers and for the guys around him in the clubhouse, and he's not over swinging, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it's just I guess just with this post All Star run here, it's just. A lot of these guys just aren't, you know, locked in. And well, it's just if, a it, product. if it helps Terry, if it helps Terry, the, the Dodgers are 41 and nine in their last 50 and they're going to win the whole thing. So it doesn't matter. I don't know. DeGrom's looking pretty nasty with those Mets right now. Pair him up with Scherzer. It's going to be a hell of a NLCS if it, if it lines up that way. Let's put it that way. But all right, let's uh, get on to the uh, series here against the Tampa Bay Rays, who I think did sweep us four games to nothing last we played them. So I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm going to wing it. Is it JT Chargoy? Uh, Chargoy, yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, Am I right? They're going to win. You're, you're very right. Okay. Um, uh, Tampa's going to win this game. Tampa's going to win all these games. Um, so we're, we're getting swept even with uh, my guy on the mound. Yeah, I mean, the offense just hasn't looked nearly as good as it should be. I mean, the fact that, you know, they had two very close games against Toronto, I don't know if that speaks more to the Red Sox or more to the Jays, but – the Red Sox burned a lot of pitchers uh, the last few nights, so I just don't see unless uh, – who was it, Waka? Yes. Those eight innings, I just don't see it. I think they'll have to really piece some things together, and I don't think we'll see Whitlock, especially if they're down. Schreiber's going to be a no-go. Uh, Barnes pitched tonight. I think it's like two of the last three nights, so I just don't think it's going to be uh, – um, a great outcome unless the offense really carries, you know, carries the load. I mean, on paper, this should be a Red Sox win, I would say, especially with Waka on the mound. But I just, it's, it's hard to pick against Tampa and they've been playing pretty well as of late. I think they have the number one uh, wild card spot at the moment. Chargoy has only pitched two and two thirds innings. He's 31 years old. Um, so he's an opener. I don't know. Yeah, he's definitely an opener. I just don't know uh, where he came from. If they got him off the scrap heap or whatever, but I'm going to take, you know what? I'm just going to stick with on paper. I'm, I'm going to take the Red Sox in game one. Um, Game two, Jeffrey Springs, who's had a great uh, year so far. Uh, last three starts, let's see, solid in all three, went at least five innings, uh, didn't give up more than two earned runs, which was actually only in one of those starts. One earned run the rest, striking out a fair number of guys as well, struck out eight uh, in Anaheim and then uh, eight Milwaukee Brewers as well. So, um Tough, tough guy, lefty pitcher as well. Uh, surprised we couldn't we couldn't develop him like like Tampa did, but um, yeah, he's going up against Rich Hill, who has a ERA at Fenway near seven. So I think Job uh, already picked. Um, I picked Tampa. Tampa sweep. Yeah. Any thoughts, Andrew? As I try to unmute as the button freezes. Yeah, no, I think um I think they'll show up. I you'll have a what should be rested bullpen if they play it right. Um 
they need Rich Hill to go at least five or six. And he has been able to do that. I'll give him credit. that Not at has, home. Yeah, I mean, but he's still been able to go when he's needed. I I just I think he might be able to pull it off. So I, I think they can get to Springs, who's been pretty, you know, pretty solid. But I think they can get to him. All right, I'm gonna uh, take Tampa in in that game, but we'll see. Uh, final game of the series. This one's actually a very good matchup. Uh, Corey Kluber versus Nick Pavetta. That's a 135 start on Sunday. Um, I don't have Kluber's numbers up here, but uh, Job has. Uh, Tampa winning. Andrew, thoughts? I think Tampa needs it more. Um, I think, you know, they'll do what they need to do. I hope it's a great Pavetta game. He looked better last time out. So even if they lose, if he goes six, seven strong, I'll be happy about that. I just want him to end the season this last month plus on a high note. He's looked good. Uh, Pavetta has his last three. Uh, appearances hasn't given up more than three earned runs uh, seven innings scoreless against the Pirates N- not that they're super great but still a, a good start he seems to be um, I his mechanics must be back to somewhat where they were earlier in the season and I think it's also kind of a head thing with him as well but um, uh I'm still going to pick Tampa in that one regardless. It's a, it's a close matchup. I mean, it, it should be competitive. And depending on how the bullpen plays out, I, I think the Red Sox are going to get – I think Rich Hill is going to get destroyed. So that would give uh, Pavetta the better bullpen behind him. So, But I don't know. For some reason, I'm just going to go with Tampa. So Andrew and I have what, what – Andrew, so you got two – Two for one and two in favor of the Rays. All right. Yeah, that's how I have it as well. Well, all right. Not the not the most enthusiastic show for the audience. We're going to skip deep dives uh, where it would have been a Saturday release anyway, and then be back on Sunday night to talk about what did happen uh, in this Tampa series. Kind of playing spoilers at this point. Uh, so we'll see, uh, all the other competitive teams will be score scoreboard watching us to see if we can, uh, bat these rays down a little bit, but I want to get the Orioles into the show so bad. Oh yeah. I, it could happen. I mean, they're what, I don't have the standings up, but they, they've got to be they're what? one and a half out, one and a half out. Wow. Closer than I even thought. I thought it was two and a half, three. So We'll see. They're vibing. They, they've they got the, uh, I don't know, they're fearless. So Watch the Red Sox sweep them coming up. <laughs> we'll see. It would be a nice change. So everyone, we'll see you Sunday. Have a great weekend. Take care.